0: Welcome to the Wing Life Podcast, where we talk about wing foiling and the lifestyles of those who enjoy this great sport.
1: Fernando, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Well, first of all, I do appreciate the invitation to be here and having a chat with you guys. Uh, It's really cool to talk about what I like and what I love to do. So, well... Well, my day here today was really mellow. I didn't go out. I just enjoy my family as I travel so much. When I'm here at home, I try to be available for them as much as I can. So whenever the waves are not so good, I just stay at home and chill with my girls. Hey, that sounds good. Uh, where do you live? Well, I live in a, a city called Santos. It's uh, nearby Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is the biggest city uh, of Brazil. Well, actually, actually might be the biggest city in South America, and I live yeah, about forty minutes away from this big city. And Santos is a really nice, uh, chill, uh, small. T- well, it's, it's not so small anymore. <laughs> I always relate myself to Santos when, like, twenty five years ago, when it used to be small. But right now, the city had grown so much, almost like double the population. So, it's still mellow for me to live here. Like the city is all flat and like, I can ride my bike anywhere within 30 minutes. So it's, not, it's not like the idea of the 15 minute city, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's quite True. chill, you know, like you can ride a bike, you can do everything by walk. I don't need to, to grab my car to do much. So it's really nice. Yeah. It sounds like a great setup. Have you lived there your whole life or Yeah, it's a great city. Yeah, I lived here my whole life. Well, I tried to live on the northeast of Brazil uh, two years ago. I lived in Jericoacoara, and uh, it was a good experience, but I missed the waves. So I decided to come back here, and then I'm here all my life. Well, actually, I lived in California back in the day for a few years, but I, I always came back home as well.
2: Right. Nice. So what, what kind of conditions do you have there? You kind of hinted towards there having a little bit more of a wave
1: scene than in
2: Jerry Coquara.
1: Well, here is like, if, we, if you go on a forecast and you see a swell that's saying that it's 1.1 at 12 seconds, if you get at the beach, you will definitely find like a chest high, maybe head high sets, right? 1.1, it's really small. Uh, so there's always waves. If I see a forecast of 0.7 or 0.5 even, is, if there's a good uh, tide coefficient, for sure, I'll find waves whenever the tide changes its course. So there's always something to ride. Hey, Awesome. Fun.
2: And what, what kind of a setup is it? Is it kind
1: of beach breaky or more reef or point break? Well, it's majority beach breaks and uh, there is one uh, one break, which is really nice, is uh, the, the place that I go all the time, which is really good for foiling. It's actually a river mouth. Uh, it's almost like, even if there's no waves, but if there's a big current, that will be a, something breaking. So it's like, it's fully uh, sand, but it has a really, really strong current as is a river mouth. So it's like, uh, it's a unique wave because you have so much current pulling back that anything that you stand on, you will be flying on the foil. So it's it's almost like a river, like a tidal bore wave. It's pretty crazy. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So you're almost
2: stationary when you're riding the wave, I guess.
1: Yeah, if it's full moon or new moon and the tide is like, dragging out super strong man it's it's almost like you're standing on the same place it's crazy for and then
0: you get to foil that oh that would be sweet
1: man actually the foil have changed um my the way i see uh surfing in general because this place used to be a very short wave because the current is so strong and for a shortboard to be able to ride, you need the wave that steeps up and run. So this place, mm-hmm. the wave steeps up, it runs, but it only runs for like 100 meters. But the swell okay. runs forever as the, 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 the sand gets uh, deep. So even if it okay. gets deep, the wave stops breaking, but it still rolls for two or nice. three more minutes. So- Wow. Why, really changed the way I see this spot.
2: Amazing, and you're
1: you're uh, prone foiling this wave
2: as well, I guess, from what you're saying?
1: Well, I began uh, prone foiling in there. Well, actually I began uh, sub foiling. My first contact with foiling was uh, with the SUP. Um, I started going with the SUP in this place because it's, the current is so strong and the lineup is so large that if you're prone it, it will take like 20 minutes to pedal back up to the point and on the oh, sup wow. it, it's a it's a shorter pedal back but yeah. uh after a while after like one month and a half or two months after i started foiling, i got really psyched on prone foiling, and then i was going to this spot even though the pedal was so long i was psyching to prone foil in there because it's completely different when you foil on an SUP and then when you, you foil on a 4042 board, a small board, you know, it's like it's a different sensation. And then I oh, did yeah, a totally. lot of yeah, I did a lot of prone sessions in there, but then my my friends uh they started foiling as well and they bought a jet ski, and then you get spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you would. <laughs> Big yeah, totally but, cheating, but it's so fun. The foiling. Well, it's a, it, it is cheating, but man, if you if you think properly, it, it, in thirty minutes you're done. Yeah. In thirty minutes of, mm-hmm. of of a session, you're done. And if you go out to have a session, like a two hour session, man, you will be mind blown. You will be like yeah. fully endorphinated and like super stoked, like you were having like. The, barrels and big surf and you look back you surf like a four feet wave and that was it but your head yeah. will be so big you will be so stoked so the jet ski <laughs> is expensive it makes yeah. it a mess on the lineup it might bother some people but for real man it, it it's a game changer for sure you know yeah
2: totally i mean it lets you ride um you know small foils, small boards, and just get on whatever you want to get on and, and keep going. I think that's part of the 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 issue that I have with, with prone foiling is that I want to I wanna ride the same foils I'm riding winging, you know, on, on bigger waves, and I want to be able to ride okay. those big waves. But right, the okay. takeoffs are just insane if you're doing that. So yeah. with the jet ski or, you know, I, I've tow-foiled with a dinghy. It's like a little Zodiac. And yeah, it works into whatever you want, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the only thing with the dinghy is that it's not so maneuverable, or it's not as maneuverable as the jet ski. So with the jet ski, Mm. it's like less time consuming on a session. Like in one hour with the ski, you will have many more waves than you would with the dinghy. But the dinghy still works just fine, you know, like the jet ski is like. It's a good machine, but it's super expensive. It's it's hard to maintain. You know, there's 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 pros and cons, right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in the towing context, especially if you're getting into a little bit more serious swab, the ski is almost obligatory because the dinghy is super sketchy. Like you can't be caught on the inside with the dinghy. It's not going to end well. <laughs>
1: yeah, at least the dinghy will never sink. It flips, but it doesn't sink. That's a good point. True,
0: that is true. Yeah, you just got to watch out for the engine, I guess.
1: Yes, if it's well tight on the, the well when we use the ding, we always we tighten on the on the on the back of the ding, but we we do the rope as well to be sure. If it flips, the thing will never fall off. Yeah, that's a good point. When did cool. uh,
0: Fernando? What was your entry into water sports?
1: Um. Well, my interest in water sports. I well, first I got uh, fascinated with the ocean. I have been yeah. in the ocean since like one year, since my my mother's belly. Since I was in her belly, I was already. She, my grandmother, she used to uh, spear spear dive oh cool
2: nice and then
1: i pretty much grew up in the ocean when i was five i had my first uh contact with boards like boogie boards and stuff just being on the shore break and then i really started surfing when i was around 12 from 12 on i started going by myself i actually (laughs) when i was really like this is a funny story my mom she would would not allow me to go surfing by myself or with my older friends because I was uh, smaller and younger than everybody else. And she was afraid of the ocean. And I I always, well, Brazil, you know that we have have the big uh, uh, soccer culture. So everybody plays soccer since young age. So my older Mm -hmm. friends, they used to go to the beach to play soccer on the beach. And some of these friends had surfboards and they were going to surf. And then I used to tell my mom, I'm just going to the beach to play soccer with my friends. And I would get back from the beach with my eyes like fully red and super (laughs) tired and hungry. And like, I couldn't lie. You know, after two or three times I did that, she found out. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I had to <laughs> run away to go surfing. But from that on, man, I started surfing on shortboards and I started, well, I wanted to have boards, a lot of boards, because you know, it's you need boards to evolve in surfing, but I, I didn't have the money to buy boards. And then my father introduced me to a shaper, an old shaper from my city, from the town where I live. And the guy said, oh, you like board, do you want to have a job? And I said, yeah, I want to learn something. And I was on this shaping bay and he said, you see the broom? And yeah, yeah. Now what? That's how you start in the surf surf, uh, uh, building, uh, Hmm. surfboard building uh, uh, world. That's how you start. And then I got the broom. I started sweeping and cleaning the shaping bay when I was 14. And okay. when I was 15, I learned how to catalyst the resin. And from that, nice. I, I learned how to do ding repairs. From that, I started doing uh, thin jobs on boards. And I, from 15 all the way until 25, maybe even more, I always built boards. So I, always, nice. I, I was always uh, connected to surfing, but working with in the surfing industry industry as well building boards actually. Hmm. Very cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah it's it's good. I like it. I still like to have to build some boards uh once in a while I go I go to my my I have a friend that build boards and foils here and once in a while I glass some boards just to make an extra cash and that's it. Okay.
0: Nice. So that's how you
1: kind of got around
0: the, the cash situation when you were younger then?
1: Yes, exactly. Because, you know, my parents never had money to, you know, but I'll give you a board. I'll give you some money to go surfing somewhere. No, I always needed to, you know, have my own stuff. No, that's fair. Do
0: you find that gave you a bit more, it gave you a different look into the sport? Because not only now were you learning the sport, but you're also learning how to do everything. And you saw the work and effort that went into making a board.
1: Yeah, totally. And the passion as well. Yeah. The passion of building boards, you know, like when you have the knowledge of, well, I had surfers usually have the knowledge of surfing, you know, the guy buy a board, he buy wax, he buy the wetsuit, he go to the beach and he surfs. But there's the other side where you build mm-hmm. the board. So I was fully fascinated and passionate about building the boards and being in the surfboard factory environment which is, a, well, you have like a pretty much like a family. You have a shaper, you have a laminator, you have a sander, you have someone cleaning, someone doing ding repairs, and you, you okay. work with these people on a daily basis. And you go surfing with these people. And then after surfing, mm-hmm. you go to the factory to work with these people. And then you have lunch with these people. And then it, it becomes a family. Yes. yes. So it's, it's not just going to the beach and surfing. There's a whole culture behind it. From people that mm. build and make the, the sport, you know, go on and on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then that passion and joy of finding out the ground floor to then taking that to the water, that, that would be pretty cool, actually. Oh,
1: it's amazing. You can, you get, you have a lab for yourself where you have, you can experiment, you can create, you know, you can create different designs, different uh, uh, shapes, you can create. Different uh, uh, different types of lamination, which become and then it comes with the composite side. So there's so much to be done uh, in a surfboard factory from you know uh, creation testing. There's a lot to be done. It's really really good. Oh nice. And then when you're getting out and riding,
0: because you have that knowledge, did you find those an easier transference over from like okay if I change this, then you change it kind of thing?
1: Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Um, okay. I, I Actually, I did a lot of glassing. Uh, I can shape a board for myself or for someone, but I, I became a professional glasser. So okay. I could tell, well, all the boards that I glassed for myself, they have never break. Okay. Never. Well, I used to have issues. with. Oh, wow. So what's the special <laughs> stuff? Well, um, when I do epoxy, uh, I do a lot of epoxy glassing on regular shortboards. I like, you know, the lap when you do the, let's say you glass the bottom and then you do the lap. This lap has to be big when you do the rail, right? So the rails have the strain. And then the way you dry out the, the resin off the, 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 the cloth, you don't want to dry it out too much and you don't want to leave it too, more, too much resin. And then You learn how to do it. So my boards, they never break. I have a board. I was actually looking for this board yesterday in my garage. I laminated this board seven years ago. And as the epoxy resin, it's not like the polyester resin as it dries out and keeps drying it out until it cracks. The epoxy resin, once it's dry, it's dry forever. And it becomes like plastic. It's not like a... Mm like glass, like Vidric. It's, it's like the epoxy resin. If you, if you laminate the sheet and you bend, it will bend. With the polyester resin, if you laminate the sheet and you bend, it cracks, right? Okay. So the epoxy resin lasts forever. So I, I look at the board in my garage and the board is yellow. It's ugly, you know, of course, because of the sun, but the lamination is still rock solid. It's still rock solid. I can ride the board nice. and, and it won't break. It's it, and I, I get really happy with that because, you know, I know I did a good job. Yeah, nice. absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that epoxy definitely does um, have much better mechanical properties, as you're saying. Even Even when it ages, it still stays a lot less brittle and less likely to have spider cracks and all that kind of, you know, fractures and stuff like that. And obviously, it's a much um stiffer resin as well, so you can use a little bit less glass and you get the same kind of stiffness
1: so it's uh yeah it's nice <laughs> much better, much better.
0: Actually Tom, like you are you're right now you're fixing your catamaran, rebuilding your catamaran, so you guys would have a lot to talk about actually in this area. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm knee
1: deep in resin every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think on a cat catamaran, doing the resin part is not as bad as sanding. So good luck on that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like ninety percent sanding and
2: ten percent glassing. And I really, really like the glassing part, the sanding part a little bit less.
1: But uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, just be okay. patient. Take your time, and take it as a you know as a fun, as art, as something that you, you do for relaxing. Well, unless you have a rush to go sailing somewhere.
2: No, I don't have a rush, but it's uh, it's a big project, so it needs to, things need mm-hmm. to keep moving. But yeah, um, yeah, I think I, I've definitely been quite fortunate to have a situation where I can I can take the time that it needs to take and and be able to do good work and not just have to rush through things and kind of blush things. So that's been quite nice.
1: Not bad of a lifestyle,
2: huh? Yeah. It is more fun to just sail though. I'm not going to (laughs) lie.
1: Yeah, but you know, one who lives and works with boats know that boats require a lot of work. Yeah. Mm. So it's part of Mm. life. And never that is end. true.
0: Yeah. When did you start foiling, Fernando? I started
1: foiling between the 16 and 2017. I guess. Yeah, it was okay. right around The end of okay. uh,
0: 16. The end of 16. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. what what are your thoughts on the the kind of progression of foils that you've been on? Because you've probably been on quite a few generations by now.
1: Man, I feel. I feel really happy. And I feel that I have uh, that I did a lot of contributions for the industry, industry, especially with F1. Uh, yeah. yeah, because in the beginning, when I started surf foiling, the surf foils were not great at all. Well, they yeah. were, you know, we could surf, but uh we couldn't surf as good as we can now. Uh the foils were not as uh, how can I put it? performative as they are right now, you know mm-hmm. we used to, to ride the foils with a lot of aluminum pieces and like thick fuselage and like the way of construction was not so great. you know my I, the foils that I started they were 3D printed the, the wings were 3D printed and then laminated. Okay. The fuselage was built on aluminum and the mast as well. So okay. the wings, the project of the the front wing and back wing were good, but the construction was not so great. So well, it was well. And
2: it, it's more than performance, I think, as well. It's also ease of use, right? Because the the early foils, um, there's very very few foils that were made in those years that were relatively, you know, user friendly. Never mind easy to ride, and never mind performance oriented.
1: Um, Well, the the first foils we saw, especially like, let's say, they really thought about big foils, like 200 centimeter foils. This is what they thought about. Uh, I recognize that they thought about that to be able to glide at low speeds. And they were not thinking about doing maneuvers and crazy stuff like we are doing now. I think they Mm -hmm. just thought about gliding and making making the, the board fly. Right. So they thought about big foil, which works. I remember the first videos I saw on um, regarding uh, foiling was from Kailani doing the, with the, I guess they took a 14, 14 foot board and they chopped the tail off and they put the three tracks for boxes and they put a foil in there. And then Kailani went doing the downwind or somewhere in, in Hawaii, I guess. And the video went out to the world. I think
2: everybody saw that video. There's that one and the one where he um, pumps back out to get a a second wave. And I remember that just being like mind blown. Yeah, (laughs) these videos, I I think it was a
1: game changer for everybody that was looking for something different to do in the ocean. Because mm -hmm. as we get old and we have major uh, responsibilities, we cannot be available for the swell uh, and for the conditions to go surfing all the time, right? Mm-hmm. We have to work, we have children, we have big responsibilities. So whenever mm-hmm. we go to the beach, it's not when the conditions are great, Is when we have, we have some time off. Mm-hmm. and the, the majority of time of my time off, the condition, they, won't be, they wouldn't be great. So that's, that's the that's the magic of a hydrofoil because you can go to the ocean, even if the conditions are really bad, you can still have the time of your life foiling. That's true. That's so true. So I totally. was, I and was then if you take it a step further for people that
2: don't have access to the ocean beside them, you can still have fun on lakes. Yeah, but you can put foil
1: on a lake, or you can pump foil on a pond, you know. It's, yeah it's amazing
0: yeah and even looking at wind because tom and i would sail on the great lakes back in ontario and um wind would get bigger swell would get bigger but then like even on the light end of things we could have fun and like next to nothing even if it's a foot you can still it's crazy how much it makes you feel that it's a big wave or a big like big roller even though it's tiny like that still boggles and it's still so cool
1: I think it's because our reference for speed completely changed because before foiling, um, my recognition of speed, I would need a big wave to have the same amount of speed I have on a small wave with my foil. Mm -hmm. So my my body recognized uh, a high speed riding a big wave and now I get high speed riding nothing. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. You ride a wave, yeah. you ride a bump around 25 to 30 kilometers per hour. In which to be able to reach that speed, I think you need a big wave, at least a four, four feet, five feet wave to be able to ride at 25 to 30 kilometers per hour. Right? I'm not totally. saying Absolutely. that we are not looking for speed, but I'm just relating to the sensation we have.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the yeah, acceleration think- and all that.
2: Yeah, I think the way that I like to think of it is is less, as you're saying, about the speed, but more about um, the feeling that the wave is pushing us forward and that we have energy to stay on the wave and kind of do whatever we want, and that we're not kind of stuck trying to pump and pick up speed and, you know, always just trying to stay on the wave, but we have enough projection to actually accelerate and do turns and kind of go where we want to go. And I think that's... Um, to me, that that's kind of how I I feel the foils really distinguish things because you know flat out speed wise you're not actually going all that fast especially on you know beginner foils or the early generation thicker foils the new ones is a little bit different um you, you feel like you're going so fast it's crazy I remember when we, when I started windsurf foiling I felt like I was going twice as fast as I was going um even though the speed didn't really change you
1: know yeah nope. yeah yeah the thing is that having us of the sensation of the foil being the extension of your feet is not just mm-hmm. about speed it's about freedom pretty much because it's yeah. like well i i like to relate foiling as skateboarding because like yeah. i i have a background on skateboarding as well and i i did never like a sc- skateboarding on the streets You know, I like to to skate on big, uh, how can I say, big plazas or big Like parking lots. Yeah, uh, big parks where I don't need to put my feet on the ground, where you can connect from transition from ramp to ramp. And finally brings this feeling because you can take off on a wave and then you can pump to the next ramp. And then you can do a turn on that ramp, and then you look back. There's another ramp on the back, and you pump to that ramp, and then you connect multiple ramps. It's just like skating. It's like it's just yeah. like you on a park. You know, the foil being yeah. the extension of your feet in the water, which is really nice. It's crazy to glide over like a paddock and over the water. Isn't that amazing? It's
0: the coolest feeling, and 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 it is like i would relate windsurfing to that you had to earn all these different steps just to be able to go upwind and same with kiting and all that kind of thing but then with winging it's just pure excitement and fun because you can actually just take a cruise and go look at stuff and say hey i'm going to go to the other side of the lake or the other side of here i'm going to sightsee and then i'm going to do a huge downwinder and like it's such yeah. a it's such a
1: different feeling yeah and the best thing is the silence mm, when, yeah. you, when you have a drag board you don't notice the silence. Yeah. One thing that, that, that it, 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 it caught my attention in the beginning with foiling, I was foiling a wave at my home break, the home break that I was mentioning before. And all of a sudden, I see this seagull on top of my head, like yelling at me. Ah!
0: Ah!
1: Man, I would, I would never uh, notice a seagull yelling at me if I was on a drag board. Yep. Because I would be dragging on the water and I couldn't hear anything. But with the foyer silently flying, you get to notice everything around you. It's mm-hmm. really cool.
0: I think the first Solo. time I went winging was, was with Tom in Montreal. And I hadn't got up like that before with that absolute silence. And when I got up for the first second, it blew my mind. It's Like crazy. I looked around and it went from chop-chop to nothing. I was like, whoa, it actually brought tears to my eyes because it was like, Man. I never thought I would ever be able to do this. And then just the feeling that it brought was, was amazing.
1: What a time to be alive. huh? We are so oh, fortunate. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Were the early foils, was that F1? Like how long have you been working with F1?
1: Well, I actually started uh, with uh, my friend, uh, King, yeah. King, King Foil. Uh, he makes uh, foils here in Santos. And then I started with him. I rode his foils for a year or so. And then I I had a little time with Unifoil from South Africa. I rode their foils for a few months. And then I I started working with F1. I think it was uh, 19, maybe. Yes, the beginning of 19.
2: It's been a while.
1: Yeah, it's been a while already. We first started with the Gravity Foils and then we developed the Phantom Foils. And now we're coming up with a new foil that's about to be launched in April. Oh, yeah. I would love to hear about so, that when you can talk yeah, about d- it. Yeah, just
2: before yes. you, uh, you get to that, though, what do you, what's your position at F1? What do you, what do, you do with F1 just to get a little bit of Well, that.
1: Mm, I do. I write, I write for them, pretty much. I'm, I'm just a writer, but... Um, as I got in there in the beginning, um, they had only the gravity foils and I was, I was already writing, uh, faster and more performatic foils. And the gravity was more like a beginner foils. And I, I was already yeah. ahead and I, I was not, I was not comfortable to start to work. Uh, well, I, I, actually, in the beginning, I might have been closed minded, but it's hard to change from something really good to something that uh, is not so good. You know, I'm talking about mm-hmm. performance, but and then next year they came up with the Phantom and then with the Phantom, I, I was like, man, that's it. Let's go. And I remember first time I met Julian Salles, the son of Ra- Rafael Salles. Uh, Julian is like He's manager of Manera and F1 with his dad. And I remember I said, he took me to the airport and he said goodbye. And I, and I said, yeah, see you soon. And he goes and he came up to me and said, we're going to make the best surf foils on the planet. Mm. And after that, man, only good stuff. After good stuff coming, better foils, better materials, like a lot of development. And I do a lot of contributions on that as well. Because like, especially in the beginning of our relationship, the sport was blowing up. Everything was Mm -hmm. blowing up at the same time. And I did a lot of contributions on my way of approaching the sport. Because actually in the very beginning, like around uh, 2018, There was not too many people trying to serve, really serve, I mean, bottom turn, top turn, like with this kind of approach. And I was already doing that. I was already looking for that. And then that's why I bought so much to every foil manufacturer I met in the beginning, because everybody was looking for that, but they they didn't know what a foil would need uh, how should a foil be built in order to surf?
2: Okay,
1: and with my through yeah, I, I,
2: those early generations, were often more kind of just about staying up on the foil and catching a wave, but they weren't really yeah. about the high performance riding, you know, top to bottom as you're saying.
1: Yeah, I'm not an engineer, but I know, I I feel what I need from a foil. I feel where. The foil should have more curvature or where the span should be bigger, should be wider or the chord. You know, I know what I need to surf good on a foil. So even though I'm not an engineer, I can speak to an engineer and kind of find the line of thought, you know, to align and build something nice. Mm.
0: Well, you grew up in the ocean and then you grew up as well building. So th- did do you find that helped out and that kind of was kind of like a seamless transition into kind of engineering?
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. I just need to, well, I'm too old to go to school now. I'm 40 years old. Yep. Like, uh, I don't know if I have the time now to start uh, engineering school. Well, I can, yep. but there are so much to do that I'd rather do something else, especially That's being fair. underwater. Because if yep. I ought to choose to be in, um, in the library or be in the college to study, I won't be able to be in the ocean as much. So maybe, maybe when I turn fifty-five or sixty, where I'm not so conditioned anymore, then I can. I'll start looking at more books. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's yeah, okay. I think either
2: way, we're we're still so far from the point where you need to be an engineer to be optimizing all of these things. I think there's so much mm-hmm. can still happen.
1: Oh yeah 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 yeah,
2: that. You know we're we're not there that it needs to be that, and even if we are, if you look at all the big foil companies, shapers are not engineers. They're people that spend a lot of time on the water that are mechanically minded and you know uh, understand like you're saying what what they need out of a foil to make it do what they'd like it to do, and I think there's a lot of experimentation, a lot of you know mistakes that are made, and you learn a lot from that and little by little you figure out what works for you and what doesn't
1: yeah in the end of the day you need a team it's like mm, it's, yeah. it's, it's, building a foil it's not like a one-man job you need the rider. you need the engineer you need the compositing master you need the little bit of work of everyone
2: yeah mm-hmm.
1: when did you do you want to walk us through your
0: first time wing foiling Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my first time is that with- your first uh, wind
1: sport, by the way, or did you do another wind sport before that? No, I, well, I I wanted to kite, I wanted to do windsurf, but when I leave, the wind is really bad and light. Okay. So I never had an opportunity to try any wind sport, and in two thousand nineteen, uh, Julian gave me a wing just to try it out. And my first session was a nightmare, you know. I thought that would, I thought I was the shit on the foil. Huh? I thought, nah, come on, this is gonna be easy, man. Foiling is easy for me. The wing won't be so easy. And then on my first session, I remember I had like 140 little liters and um, a very big foil, like over 2,000 centimeter. The wind was light. And I did not manage to take off. I went downwind for about 9 or 10 kilometers. And I had to walk back. <laughs> oh, carry, wow. carry, carrying the cross on my back. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's it's a good the walk, walk of, of shame, shame man. Yeah, yeah, we all have to go through <laughs> that. And after that, I I picked up, like, it wasn't so hard. Uh, what, what was the most difficult part for me was, like, Understanding the wind because when we yeah. surf, we see the energy that we're gonna ride. And when you do wind sports, you don't see the energy, you will see the energy, you will see the clouds pass by, you will see the gusts hitting the water, you will see the palm trees shaking, but you don't see the wind, you feel it. Mm. So that's a bit more difficult than just surfing. Okay, but with practice, it becomes easier and easier. I think uh, we winging might be the easiest win sport you can have the difficult part is foiling but foiling you can make easier as well yeah it's definitely the easiest
2: high performance win sport in my opinion um i think if you windsurf without the high performance part if you just kind of you know put butt around i think that's
1: yeah a bit yeah unique. that's the easiest but,
2: yeah that's the easiest for sure with the dagger having yeah having said that you could use a similar style board with a wing I at do. that point you know For the teaching. goal is not yeah exactly and then the goal is not to go up on the foil it's just to cruise around and that might be easier actually in windsurfing i'm not oh, sure man
1: i when i teach wing foiling i first teach with the dagger fin just with the wing and as okay. soon as my student is able to even though he doesn't jibe Even if he just goes, jump off the board, changes stances and comes back on the same place, he's ready to foil with the wind. That's how I teach. And then second lesson or third lesson, depending on the student. So, like I said, as soon as the student is coming and coming back, going and coming back on the same spot, as soon as the student managed to stay upwind, for me, he's ready to foil. Some people would say that the guy needs to do the transition, but not really, because to do a transition on the foil is completely different than doing the transition without the foil. Even though you have, yeah, to, land, totally you have to land the foil and do the transition. So why spend time to make my student to do a jibe if I can fast forward and make him foil he will have to drop the foil anyway to do the jive. I want my mm-hmm. student to foil because it's completely different when you just uh, go upwind without the foil and with the foil. So yeah, as soon as the student is managing the wing, holding the wing steady in the air, like not dropping the tip in the water, not falling over the, the wing, as soon as he's up, well postured and stable. Manages to stay upwind, then he's ready for the foil. And I did a lot of teaching in Jedi Quaquara. Then the, okay. it's very strong wind, but it's uh, kind of flat water. So we use the boat. We go with the boat and with the radio on the student, fast helmet, everything they won't need. And that's it. Two hours, the guy's flying.
0: Oh, cool. Now, even staying upwind on like a, a dagger board kind of thing that's not easy like a lot of the time they end up quite downwind pretty fast like how do you find obviously we could get into the technicals of what would be
1: required but you're
0: finding people are able to do that relatively quickly
1: uh it depends uh i do i always do one i always give one information that changes everything people need to understand Uh, what does the connection between the board or between the foil and the wing is our body. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not transferring force from the wing or from the foil to the wing and vice versa, if I'm not transferring force, right, it will not work. So first Mm -hmm. thing, people need to understand that upper limbs, you kind of pull and hang on the device. Pull and hang at the same time. And your lower limbs must be pushing. So yep. you're spreading the force. And that way, when you push with your legs and you pull with your arms, your body is fully connected. The tension is traveling throughout your body, right? So when you, you, when you have your student with your hips flexed and the hips back like yeah. this and the arms yeah. up, this guy will never be able to fly steady, even without the foil. He will not be able to connect the wing with the board. So if you give this advice, if you give these little tips to the student before they start, everything changes and they they develop faster.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I teach on Vancouver Island in the summer times and, um, that was, there's a whole bunch of different tips, but that one is huge. And then the foot positioning as well, I found was huge as well. Cause a lot of people in Canada are coming from snowboarding kind of background where you kind of stand duck footed like yeah. this. So you're actually not facing forward, more of a surf stance on the board.
1: Yeah. But and these then, things, yeah. this positioning things yep. is really an, an, an anatomy thing because mm-hmm. each one of us, we we have different shapes, we have different postures, we have different sizes of feet, of femurs, of hips. So the positioning on the board may vary from experiences and from uh, sizes and shapes of limbs. So it's really how the the, the student feels comfortable with, because I've seen people standing like this, duck footed, I've seen people standing like this with one foot on the other side. Okay. Everything works. Okay. For who?
0: Fair. Yeah, so no each, that's a valid point. That's a valid point based on anatomy absolutely.
1: And for us, for us who are teaching is our obligation to identify each student and identify how we can improve the positioning of each student based on their own experiences uh, and on their own anatomy. It's, mm-hmm. it's up to us to fix the student. They have to find their comfort, uh, comfortable positioning, but we have to spot and say, hey, change this, change that. You will feel better, you will do better and so on.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. It's not about us, the instructors, um, in that sense. It's about helping them find that for themselves, and some will vary, which very much makes sense. Yeah. What do you find is the most fun aspect of teaching?
1: Making friends and bringing people to the sport. Uh, Here in Brazil, uh, I have kind of this legacy since I started doing the, the clinics, and wing fighting is so inclusive that the first clinic I did, I gather like, for two weeks, I gather like, in one weekend, I had 10 people, and the other weekend, I had 20 people. Let's say that 30% of all these students had no experiences on any water sports. Oh, wow. So Yeah, so these Good. people, they became sailors and wing foilers after they took the, uh, the clinic with me. They were just there in a the hotel and they were looking for some activity. They were, they, were looking, they, were, they were in vacation at the hotel and they were looking gotcha. for something to do. And I was there to teach wing foiling for some people that were already into wind sports. But these other people, as they were in the hotel looking for something to do, they came at me, Hey, I want to try that. I said, okay, let's go. And nowadays they became my friends and yeah. I meet with them when I go to the beach to go sailing. And yeah, that's yeah. really nice. Like the community and the friends and the family, that forms around it. Mm-hmm. it. It amazes me. Yeah. It's definitely something
2: we've talked about before. There's a, there's a big contrast between the wind sport community and the surf community. And I think, especially with winging because the sport's so young and everybody's so stoked on it. And, you know, everybody just tries to get more winders out and just spread their passion for the sport and whatnot, um, compared to surfing where it kind of feels like in certain spots, um, people don't really would rather that you stay on the beach and (laughs) they get more waves for themselves.
1: Yeah. Surfing is different, man. Uh, I always notice that the vibe and the, the environment between the wind, between the sailors, uh, they're more like families. Surfers they're more like more reclusive. Like surfers don't like crowds, and mm-hmm. uh, sailors don't bother with crowd as much as surfers do, unless the wave riders. But still, yeah. is they're more open. The sailors are more open to people, and surfers uh, they don't like people. Here's crowded. Go there. Get out of here. Too many people. Don't pedal on my wave. Get out. Cook my wave.
0: It's true, yeah. It's happened to all of us. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's part of it, totally.
0: Um, looking at F1, like they came out with the swing was their first V1, and it was eh, pretty much one of the leading wings that I tried because I had the five meter swing. Um, are you able to talk about maybe the development of the wings at F1? Um,
1: well, F1 had they have their their own uh point of view. They have their own mentality of how the sport should be. So in F1, you might not see as uh, the wings as the other companies are doing. I think F1 really focuses on the fun aspect of the sport. They want to have a wing where you're going to be riding for two or three hours and you're not going to be destroyed because the wing is so stiff. That's mm-hmm. why a lot of people say about talk about the stiff handles. Why don't F one do do the stiff handles? There's a lot of reasons for them not to do the stiff handles. You know, F one. I think they have, they want to have the best uh, surf oriented uh, wings. So you will have the lightest wing with 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 the best uh, behavior on the wind so let's say in a session that you 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 fall off the board and coming back on the board is the hardest part of the sport is when you fall and you have to get back on the board and usually Mm -hmm. when you have to get back on the board you have to split the wing back so the f1 wing it's really easy to manage on the wind not only when you're sailing in general when you release the wing and the wing sits flat in the air, it's almost like it flies by itself because it's light and also because of the project, the project, Mm -hmm. the aerodynamics. So I think they're going on the really, really good way, um, keeping the mentality of the sport being fun, easy, inclusive, not so expensive, you know, Mm -hmm. so... As far as I see, and as far as I see, the the wings are getting better and better. So from the S wing V1, we definitely saw improvements on the S wing V2, and then they released the Strike, and the Strike V1 was already much better than the S wing with different characteristics, and now we we have this the Swing V2 and the Strike V2. And now they're coming with a swing V3 and a strike V3. And I guess the strike V3 will be more um, high performance oriented. So you will be able to jump higher and go faster with the strike V3. And the swing V3, it's more surf oriented. So the V3 as swing will... uh, probably be better even better balanced in the air when you're not using the power on the wing when you're just releasing it and surfing, the wing will float better for sure. The yeah. wings are the wings are coming up with better materials materials so the being the wings will last longer with better seams, better ways of building and construction because that's something that it it has been improving. Since the mm-hmm. first, uh, first wings, they are becoming more stronger and lighter, and they're lasting longer without huge improvements. So they're really conservative on the way they built and they improve their things to keep like, not to have a big gap between the development. So they really take their development step by step.
0: Yeah, we were like I started actually Tom was working at a store in Montreal at the time and I was like, man, what wing do I buy? I want to get in. I'm not sure what wing. And he's like, I've done a lot of research. f ones is the way to go. Like, let's start with those ones. And I just love the simplicity of the wings, the handle placements of the wings. They seem to be long enough, placed in the perfect position Canopy tension was just right to help me pump, so I had good low end grunt. It could handle high wind really, really well, really? Um, and that was just even the first version. And they just got better from there. So I was always a big fan, and a bunch of our buddies out east, like we were all riding F ones. Like that's all we started on, and like now I'm a team rider for for KT for a store in Vancouver, and so I'm riding KTs. But like even then, like I, I yeah, I fell in love with F one. They're awesome.
1: Yeah, the handles are amazing and the balance, yep. the, 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 the distribution of the handles are perfect. Like you, if you find your optimal upwind position, you know, the optimal position is where if you go up upwind a little bit more, you will stop. So that's your optimal position. And as far as I felt on the F1 wings, man, it's so comfortable when you're on that optimal position, you don't feel that the wing is closing on you. The wing mm-hmm. stays always open, and it behaves really well when you're going upwind.
0: Yeah, I've tried other yeah, brands, but... and some of them they backwind and they'll smack you. Like yeah. if you go too high up, they'll smack you. And yeah, then yeah. based on that handle positioning as well, like they'll be front hand heavy or backhand heavy, and like based on all that.
1: So I was really impressed with that. I think what it does, um, if you look at the, if you look at the, the strut. Like, let's say you look on the side, you get the you 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 cut the wing in half, right? And if you look at this strut, so here let, let me try to. This is the leading edge of the wing, right? And this is the strut. Okay. The strut's still sitting like this, and on these other wings, the struts like this. It's almost mm-hmm. like you're inside of the wing when you're sailing. And on the F1, you're sitting outside because of the curvature of the strut, especially on your front hand. So the, 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 the leading edge and the strut, the end of the strut, the strut where it meets the leading edge is away from you. Hmm. And in, in other companies, you have the, the, the leading edge is kind of closing inside. Uh, okay. Okay.
2: Yeah, yes, I can It's true that on on the F1 wings, uh, that boom strut kind of projects the wing a little bit further away from you. And it, yeah. uh, it's the same in windsurfing as well. You try to get the rig kind of forward and away from you, and that makes things more stable and easier to use. I think, as you're saying, F1 is definitely uh, right off the bat uh, had a product that's really, really versatile, really easy to use, really stable. And it's it's nice that they're kind of sticking with that because there are a lot of companies that are developing wings that are just you know higher performance but not really that easy to ride and i think that it's important to keep things fun and easy
1: what i think is like in the end of the day it's uh, wing foiling in general is not a cheap sport at all Mm -hmm. so if you want to buy a carbon hydrofoil and if you want to buy your wings I don't know elsewhere, but in Brazil, you're going to spend a lot of money. And like people that are able to practice the sport at a high-performance level, they don't really have the money to buy the gear. People that yeah. have money by the, to buy gear, they're over 35 to 40 years old. These yep. people, they have the money to buy the board, And these people, they're usually working during the week so Mm -hmm. they want to have the sport to have fun and not just to have the highest performance they don't need that so it doesn't really make sense you rather do a a a product that you can sell for everyone than to have a product where you sell for 10 people that are the high performance guys and on the other hand you have like 200 people that will practice the sports on the weekends and they will buy two, three wings, two boards, one for light wind, one for strong wind, you know. It's a good, uh, good mentality to go. Yeah,
2: definitely. And I, I don't know if, you're, if you didn't windsurf, and I'm not sure that you saw this happen or not, but windsurfing basically killed itself or almost in the 90s where they just developed gear for professionals and everybody else mm-hmm. was supposed to kind of try to ride this gear somehow. And it's, no, it's, it's pretty impossible. insane, like it mm-hmm. it makes no sense, you know, you're trying to ride gear that a particularly talented human being that spends their entire life on the water is riding when, you know, the vast majority of everybody else there's no way that it's going to work for them. It just makes no sense. Yeah.
0: I remember those days. They were skinny. They were long. They were extremely tippy. And and then they came out with some wider, shorter kind of stuff, like almost like a plank of plywood. And then um anybody could get out. And and I guess the same kind of thing, they transitioned that to wing boards and and uh, like 140, 150, we all kind of learned on, and then you get smaller and smaller and smaller, and and then you get all these kind of cool different dynamics, and you almost have to relearn the sport a little bit. Because it's so crazy, but um, what size of boards your favorite right now?
1: Well, it depends, huh? Um, for light wind winging, I mean, really, really light, like eight knots. I like to have a eighty five liter. Okay. And then, if the wind as the wind picks up from twelve knots to fifteen knots, I ride a forty two liters. And if okay. it's over fifteen knots, I'll I ride thirty three liters. How much do you weigh? Uh between sixty eight and seventy two. I'm, I'm always
2: changing. Okay. okay. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Sounds like uh basically what I'm riding as well. Makes sense. It's interesting that you're going for the thirty three when it's really windy. I haven't. I felt like once I got much under, you know, 45, forty five, forty. I was kind of getting into negative returns for myself i didn't find that it was that much more fun to ride and it was considerably more effort uh, unless it was really really windy
1: well it's all about getting used to it you know like if it's 15 knots in 15 knots it's on the limit for me to ride my 33 liter boards if it's 15 knots and i want to go with my 33 liter board I would definitely take a five five,
0: okay right yeah. and if
1: if it's eighteen knots going to twenty knots, I would go then I would take a four five
2: wing yeah,
1: yeah, I think that's a good point,
2: so i a a lot of um a lot of the development that's happening in foils right now going you know higher aspect and um thinner and smaller boards and all that kind of stuff i think it's kind of naturally transitioning into people riding bigger wings as well because initially everybody was just riding four meters right like the first year was everything was four maybe five meters and that was already a big wing five meter. and then today we have eight meter wings so that's uh mm-hmm. that's an interesting point that you're making as well yeah,
1: you know like i i i don't like to ride much of big wings i prefer to have like a let's say i'm going to ride in 8 knots right 8 knots i prefer to have an 85 liter board in a 1700 foil with a 55 wing then having a smaller foil a smaller board but bigger wing i like yeah, big I totally wings agree. but you know what with my 55 i can take not take off from 8 knots I don't need to go with lower wind, lighter wind than that. Hmm. What one is that from F1?
0: What's that? Sorry. What wing is that from F1 to 5.5? Oh,
1: the V2, uh, the Strike V2. Okay. Yeah, they pump like a dream. Man, I ride my 5.5 from 8 knots all the way to 35 knots. I can have one wing and do everything with one wing. And then I would just change foils and boards according to the situation.
0: Yeah. My first year, I think. Actually, I just got, last year was my third, this was my third season. And I finally got a four meter. But the first two years, and two and a half years, it was, I just had a five. And
1: regardless of what it was, that's all I rode. It's nice to ride, a, it's nice to surf, wing surf on a small wing. Yeah, so agreed. good, man. Yeah, it's all we it's the best. I had a but fun was- fall
0: session in Victoria this year, and it was it was like 30 and getting to shoulder high kind of swell with a three meter is my first time riding a three KT. And oh that was a dream. It was so small, and it would sit there parked. And as you're like coming
2: peeling off something, it was unreal.
1: Yeah, it's so good.
2: No, yeah, I it- I'm definitely quite a fan of that of the little wings as well. Um I don't get to crack out the three meter very often, but the fours definitely come out often and and it doesn't take that much wind, especially if you're kinda of going in a mentality like uh you're saying, Fernando, of having, you know, a little bit more volume, a little bit more um a little bit more foil surface area, then uh you can get on a four or four or five quite quickly. Um, like you know, 50 knots is plenty, in my opinion, for for that uh, size of a wing for people our size, anyways.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's tricky because like you can match foil board and wing, and there are so many variables. You know, like, in conditions where you can play around. If it's mushy, if it's more a surf oriented session, if like sometimes. I like to have big wings if the waves are breaking too much because have you ever get caught on the wind on the inside with a small wing it's a nightmare yeah. so sometimes I rather have a bigger wing if I if I get caught it's easier to get out of the situation with a bigger wing than with a smaller wing especially when you have totally. small boards totally. so it's really ha- it's really like understanding and uh uh, acknowledging your material and taking good decisions to go riding
2: yeah and experimenting and kind of figuring out you know what works for you and what you like and what you don't like all of this comes from time on the water and trying out new things and you can't you know read on a forum and say okay yeah i'm a big wing kind of guy or a small wing kind of guy try it out and see what you like
0: yeah that's true. Did did you ever enter into the competitive
1: space? I have. I did some competitions on the wing foil world tour in the beginning. Um, okay. On the first competition for the GWA, I got uh, was third, third or fourth place. Yes, it was in Brazil. I was third okay. place, and then on the same year, I went to Tarifa for the. For the final event of the year in 2020 i did fourth place and then i I didn't do any other competition internationally and then 2021 i did the fourth place as well in maroccos on the gwa yeah good for you yeah i did some competitions in brazil last year i was uh, the brazilian champion for the racing league and now i'm not really focused on competition but f1 wants me to do this year the gwa because they will have a a special wave events so they Mm -hmm. want me to be on the wave events and i i am not really really into doing freestyle i'm more like uh i prefer wave riding. okay so i'm happy to be i'm happy like what I always did was foil surfing and there are no competitions for foil surfing. Hmm. And now it's nice to have a competition, a wing competition, but wave riding oriented. So it would be nice for me to do what I, I think I do best, which is a wave riding.
2: Now, I was just going to ask if I, I thought there were some, uh, prong foiling competitions in Hawaii, but I guess it's, um, a long way to go especially when you have a you know a family and work and stuff like that just for a competition
1: it's not just that like uh well it's a i i i saw they had uh on the first year they had a competition in waikiki and then they have a competition on the states in kawaii well for me it's really hard to go to the u.s because it's really expensive first of all and like mm-hmm. to get a visa it's uh it's quite quite of a yeah. hassle to get a visa to go to the US mm-hmm. after the pandemic hit for Brazilians mm-hmm. to get a visa you have to wait for 3 months to get an interview Ouch. and if if they like you or if they see that you're not lying and if you have a good reason to go to the US they will grant you the visa so it's like uh, uh i'm too old for that
0: <laughs> I agree. I'd rather yeah, go they're... to
1: places like where I am really, really welcome. Like people want me there. It's like mm-hmm. going to the US is always like I have to I have to beg. I don't want to have to beg to go somewhere. You know, I want to go somewhere where I will be well recepted. I want to go to places where people want to be to be there. So it's like yeah, unless yeah, totally yeah, unless there's a big purpose for me to go you. To go to the US. I, I'm not planning to go there any soon. I would love to go to Maui. I have many, many friends uh that live there. I have a lot of friends from back in the day when I lived in California. Now, they live in Maui. But like I said, it's so complicated to go there and so expensive that I'd rather just go to some other places and don't stress.
0: That's fair. Yeah. Our, our, I don't know. Is, is F one sending you to uh, to New Zealand for the for the next
1: competition? No, it's a freestyle, a no? surf freestyle competition. Okay. So okay. I will go to I will go to Cape Verde. On, okay. So this Beautiful. year I will do Cape Verde. I will do. There will be a competition in Rio. Uh, okay. Probably Maldives is not confirmed yet, but probably they have they will have a competition in there, and Dakar in Morocco is confirmed as well. So, okay. for wave events this year, is Cabo Verde, Maldives, Rio de Janeiro, and Aqua.
2: Amazing. That'll be fun. Man, do you know where the event is in, um,
1: in Cabo Verde? They said either will be in Ponta Preta or Kite Beach. Ponta Preta? Oh, my goodness. That's going to be, that would be heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking I about it. We need to bring a lot of wings it's gonna be a preta, like <laughs> I know man imagine you get caught on the wing side I, I I wouldn't know what to do getting caught by a six foot eight foot wave on the head what should I do with the wing and <laughs>
2: like two feet of water over sharp rocks yeah it's not gonna I involve up for sure
1: well I know the board <laughs> I won't I won't wear a board leash because that nope. will chop my body into parts so I'll just release the board but the wing, I guess I would uh, maybe just deflate and release it. And then I would just leave.
0: I, I think Kieran, we had Kieran on um an Australian from uh from the west or east coast of Oz on two weeks ago, and he mentioned a lot of guys in bigger surf over there were just going leashless. Yeah. They I had know. yeah, for like even the wing. It's like if yeah. you lose the wing, you just let it go because they didn't want to get tossed in the surf.
1: Well, you know Chituan, right? Mm-hmm right rides some really, really big waves on the wing at his home break in uh, New Caledonia. And okay. what he does, he goes uh, leashless on the wing and on the board. Okay. But
2: Yeah, but he always has a boat there.
1: Either a boat or someone with a kite that can rescue the wing.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that's what he does. He's, he doesn't do it by himself because if he goes by himself, he will lose the wing and that will be gone. Six hundred
2: euros gone. Well, for for him that doesn't really matter because he gets them for free. But the uh I think the bigger issue is that those waves are further kind of far offshore and getting back home on the tiny little boards that he rides is gonna be a long
1: battle. No, but in, in so, New Caledonia, it's so far to go riding at these places where yeah. they go, they gotta go on the boat. You cannot go sailing. It's like thirty kilometers to go out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. it's on their
2: outer reefs.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because so it has far. this
2: like, you should check it out at some point on um, on Google Earth, Luke. It's pretty crazy. They have this really cool ring of reef all around the island, and so on oh, the really? inside there must be zero waves. Um, but then on the passes into the reefs, it's just phenomenal waves. Right?
1: Sharks all over the place. Yep. Gnarly, <laughs> gnarly. right. <laughs> so gnarly, man. Don't
0: bother you? Um, you mentioned you're a dad as well, so you got children.
1: Yeah, I have two. My my older daughter just turned eight, eighteen, three years, three days ago. Oh, cool. And my youngest, her. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's nice. Eighteen years old. Nowadays it's fun, but back in the day it was hard to have her because I was so young. Mm -hmm. But it's nice. And my other daughter, she's she's five. Okay, thirty six. Nice. year. Yeah. Nice. Are they into like water sports and stuff too? Well, my other, my other now she's living in the U.S. She's doing uh, going to college and she's doing weightlifting, uh, Olympic weightlifting. Oh, cool. Good for her. Yeah, <laughs> she likes it. And my youngest, uh, she's she's actually surfing, but she's not like as she's still so young. She likes to play, but okay. she already pedals and takes off on her own so she's getting there
0: nice hey that's awesome yeah it man, must feel man. cool going out with her
1: yeah yeah we we actually I'm, I'm starting to plan to go out, go out my wife my daughter and myself uh, all three of us each one of us on, on their own board oh that's awesome yeah let's see how it goes <laughs> yeah that's cool
0: well well, Tom, you go out with your partner quite a bit and and that must be a cool thing to be able to share that in your family.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yes. It's 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 a lot of fun to be able to share this kind of thing with uh, your significant other. And I think it's, um as we were saying before, it's a very accessible sport. So it's, you know, if your significant other is not particularly athletic or doesn't have a lot of experience with water sports and stuff like that, it's a lot more realistic for them to to learn how to wing than it is for them to learn how to windsurf surf or tight surf um, mm-hmm. or even surf, really. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, Fernando, if there's people looking um, to get to follow you, to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: Uh, I think Instagram, Instagram okay. or Facebook, any social media. I think uh, on Instagram, I, I leave my WhatsApp number, which okay. is my phone number. So okay. sometimes I don't respond on direct messages. People can always reach me on, on WhatsApp as well. It's not a problem for me. I like to help people. Okay.
0: And you said you were running clinics in Brazil?
1: I do. Yeah, I do. Um once in a while, I was like, I don't like to promote much. I don't do okay. much promotions. And like I like to teach people that are really willing to learn the sport, which is a journey, mm-hmm. right? It's not so easy to learn foiling, to learn winning. It's not something that you do on a weekend, right? No. So people that come to me like with the intention of learning the sport I am super keen to teach from foiling to winging from like day one all the way until people master the sport and don't need my, my help anymore. You know, I mm-hmm. like to do that. Otherwise teaching people just, just to see if they like the sport. Uh, it's not really what I like to do because you don't, you will never like the sport on your first lesson. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. Uh, yeah. hard.
0: I definitely relate. So like this it's almost like a marriage per se like you enter it you take it slow you get to know each other and then as the thing goes on like especially with water sports and wind sports like what it's done for my personal life like it saved my life in so many different ways and and to be able to have that and to hand that off to somebody and for them to see that um, I think it's a pretty special thing so it's awesome that you're able to do that um, and kind of help people in that sense, maybe find something that'll completely change their lives, right?
1: Oh yeah, it does change. It does change. Like I yeah. said, the first the first clinics I did, two guys, two these two guys on the second weekend, three guys, man, they were clueless on water sports. Mm-hmm. They never surfed, they never kited, and now they're fully wingers. It's yeah. Really... yeah, yeah, that's
0: pretty sweet.
2: Yeah. Well, if we can get a little sneak peek on those new F1 foils, I'm always interested to hear what's uh, coming ah. down the pipeline.
1: <laughs> the skate. <laughs> it's a pretty cool name, huh? Yeah, yeah. skate. So it's going
2: to be a surfy foil, I guess.
1: Well, it really depends on you, huh? But uh, yeah, we are, we were looking for something faster. And something that would glide longer. We still have the Phantom. The Phantom is really good. I don't know if you guys ever tried the Phantom for us. The, the, yeah, the, the, right as, the as, yeah, try the Phantom. The Phantom has a 6.5 aspect ratio, which is really good for surfing. You, you have really good uh, low end speed. So in surfing, it's important to have a foil that can ride at low end, low, low slow speed, because uh, the speed oscillates so much. So sometimes you're going super fast, sometimes you're going really slow, and like when you do a bottom turn, before you go for the top turn, what you want to do, you want to stall a little bit, because if you do a bottom turn, if you point towards the top turn at full speed, you won't be able, you won't be able to turn back when you reach the top. So when you do a bottom turn, you want to stall the foil a little bit. So when you're going to the top turn, you are slower than when you started going into the bottom turn. So having a yeah. foil that allow you to ride at stall speed and don't lose though, don't lose lift is really important. So the Phantom foil does it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we were looking for high aspect foils to be faster, to ride faster, more performatic, even though the high aspect foil will not turn as easy as a lower aspect foil. You can still um, set your foil with a shorter fuselage, with a shorter stabilizer to make that foil that would not turn as easy. But now that you change the fuse and the stab, the thing turns. And then you get used to the way that the foil turns because the foil is, uh, the wing has less curvature. The wing is okay. flatter and as it's wider, it will be more difficult to turn, right? Okay. Especially, especially in roll. It would be much harder to roll, but um, I got used to it. You know, uh, okay. I got, uh, I fully got used to it. And nowadays, I prefer riding a higher aspect foil uh, to wave ride than a lower aspect foil, unless the waves are really, really small. If it's under uh, waist high, I would ride the Phantom. If it's over uh, waist high, I would ride the Skate. And then I would just change the size of the foil according okay. to the size of the waves. Yeah,
2: so I've I mean I've written um primarily Armstrong stuff for the last few years and I've been pretty stoked on that. But I've gotten they're to really try good. a couple of yeah, they're fun. They yeah, they have some good stuff, especially if you have more of a surf bias. I think they have a really, really good products for that. Um, but I've gotten to try you know, a little bit of higher aspect foils and I I can relate to what you're saying is that they do definitely turn differently than smaller foils and I I haven't really felt the magic yet with them, but I think I need to try smaller ones. The the only one that I tried was, uh, I'm trying to think what it was. I think it was like the um, the lift 180 or something like that, um, which is a pretty big foil. So maybe with the little ones like the 120 or the 100, it could be uh, more uh, more interesting. But I, I just like being able to slow down and kind of turn in the pocket. Whereas the high aspect foils, it feels like you need to be just kind of doing these big GS turns, um, which is less what I like.
1: Well, I think it's in the end of the day, it's all about getting used to it. Like every foil brand has, they have their own designs and Mm -hmm. each design rides each uh, its own way. So you have to get used to Is what I say. Uh, people ask me about foils, and I say, man there are, there, there is no uh, bad foils. Every foil is good. It's all about getting used to it. You have to get used to it. When you change from brand to brand, you will feel it. you mm-hmm. will hate it, but after a few times you go you go out, you get used to it. you know? So like I tried That's the lift point. one. I tried I see people pumping around on the lift. High aspect one twenty. I see people pumping around prone foiling, and the other day I tried for my friends, and like I was winging. I was not surfing, but I felt no lift at all. So it's yeah, weird. It's,
2: it's it's a yeah different balance points, and I think it as That's you're the saying thing, today point. it's. I think as you're saying today, there's very few bad foils. They're just different, and you need to figure out how to you know what what the foil is designed for and what what works for that foil, what doesn't work for that foil. And it's really, really important to have it set up properly on a board that works with it, because you can easily have a foil that doesn't match with the board. You feel like, wow, this is a terrible foil, but it's actually just a poor match with the board or just a poor match with your writing.
1: So it's not
2: necessarily a bad foil.
1: And we are like, we are only in the beginning, huh? So it's, it's been only like three or four yeah. years that we are doing this. So imagine how much it will change. I think oh, yeah, when we're right. all
0: fifty and Tom's still thirty-five, it'll be awesome. <laughs> we're, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> you turn forty this year, Fernando?
1: Yeah, I'll turn forty this year. I just turned forty a couple of weeks ago. It still feels weird. Yeah, man. I know. It's like you know what? Like the only thing I see is like oh my. I'm getting bald, and my my gray hairs are going more growing more and more. But I still feel yep. really. I still feel strong. I still feel happy, uh, healthy and motivated. So nice. I think it's all we need. Huh? We don't need much more. Oh Yeah.
0: No, not much more than that. Tom, you got a good future ahead of you, young pup.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: you gotta keep going.
0: He's about
1: to turn 30 this year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a time to be alive. I wish I was 18, man. Oh man, I
0: would love to start that all whole. that. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I think
2: if you're, uh, you know 16 17 18 right now and getting into win sports and wanting to be a professional it's a really good time to be alive really
1: oh fair. man i see how much the kids they they develop you know like i've been following these kids and they were like uh 16 uh one or two years ago and nowadays they're doing like huge back flips front flips everything flips around it's crazy how they develop so fast
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the standard right right now. Well, yeah, no fear in elastic bodies and and the fact that they're going in and they're pulling sevens on both sides and backs and fronts. And it's, I don't even know what's going to come in a couple
1: of years. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, it's nice to watch. I just want these kids surfing more. They need to surf more to understand better how to wave ride.
0: And I think it's cool that they're now including those that in the GWA I think that's going to be so awesome to watch because there's that was such a huge area that I was interested in watching because it can go from well I guess Cabo is going to be the first one I'm mean, stoked to watch that
1: yeah yeah we're uh, mm-hmm. looking forward for this event we're, yeah. we're not sure if it's going to be Ponta Preta but uh, either way just to have this uh, the wave format it would be good for the sport because uh, wing foiling, it's, it's much more foiling than, than winging. It's like, I always say to everybody that wing foiling is like 70% foil and 30% wing, especially in yeah. surfing where you release the wing to ride a wave. So it's much more... Oh yeah, more I'd surf- say even more than that. Even I, more? I'd, huh? give
2: it, yeah, I'd easily give it 80%, 85%. Like- if you're in a surfing mode you're you're just surfing the foil all the time even when you're riding with the wing powered up you're so over on top of the foil kind of leaning over and and banking into the wind like you would be in more of a free ride mode so it's actually
1: pretty fun to to wave ride with the power of the wing too yeah you should try windsurfing sometime i
2: think you'd really like it uh, Well, uh... I did a beginner
1: lesson. I did one beginner lesson on windsurfing. But for me to uh, learn to the point where I would put my feet on the straps and go fast, it would take too long. You know, like I needed a lot of time to really learn windsurfing. And I'd rather just focus right now in winging because I still have so much to learn. Yeah, yeah awesome. windsurfing
2: takes a while. Cool yeah, and it's the cool thing about winging is that you can, you know, you can progress and you can learn the sport relatively quickly, whereas windsurfing, it's going to take some time. <laughs> it's not really, yeah, no because in it's windsurf,
1: like well, in windsurfing, to be really fun, it has to be over 25 knots. Otherwise, it's not fun.
2: Uh, no, I don't agree with that. I think it's, it, I, the best sessions I have windsurfing are around 15 fifteen maybe twenty, but fifteen is yeah, great but with, well. waves. With, with waves. With waves. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Flat water,
0: like even rollers. Um four seven, four two is my favorite, and I need about twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah. But waves can be a different scene
2: for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Once you get into kind of right. float and ride when surfing that I think wind sports in my mind. But that's uh very another, much con- out of reach. another convo. Another <laughs> convo. Yeah, another convo, and it's not a reality for most people in most places. So I think that's where winning kind of comes in, and is just so great. Oh yeah. Well,
0: hey Fernando, I want to say thanks for joining us, man. This was such a, a such a fun chat, and um looking forward to watching you compete. And gonna be curious if it's Ponte Preta, we're gonna definitely watching that. That would be that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, last year,
1: yeah, yeah. not last year, but the the year before, the the event we had in Dakla, yeah. it was broad, broadcasted on uh, on YouTube, and it was like a full wave event, and it was really nice to watch the show. I, all my friends yeah. from Brazil, they were watching me when I was competing, and they had this broadcasting format, just like the WSL surfing uh, competitions. Nice. And nice. it's really nice to watch on the internet. It's really cool to watch. Yeah, it's cool to be connected, cool to
0: support, and um, and to see where it's going. Because there, I don't think there's a better way of learning unless you can watch people that are a lot more skilled yeah. than you are.
1: Yeah. Every everything I learned from surfing, I learned uh, from the videos. I watched yep. so much uh, surfing videos that it really helps to improve yep. for sure.
0: Yeah, so for those at home, keep in mind that even if it's winter time or wherever you are, you can still kind of pop a video in. And I did that for windsurfing. Like I watched Beginner to Winter from Jem Hall. And uh and then the next year I went out and it was just significantly better. And I was like,
1: huh, it does really work.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Gets it's in there. Yeah.
1: Gets in there. Yeah. It's all about uh, having your mind focused, you know on what you want to do and you research even if you're away from the from the ocean from the action if you keep your mindset towards it you will still learn for sure
0: yep no that's a good point well fernando man thanks a lot and um when those new foils come out if you want to come back on and show it to us when they are getting released that would be sweet we'd love to walk through them with you
1: all right. Oh, we're gonna do yeah, the shooting for these foils in uh next month. We will be shooting okay. for the, the product shooting, and okay. I guess it will be released around April. So, okay, for sure, yeah. you guys will see. I am writing yeah. already some prototypes. Okay. Uh, all the times, all the videos that I that I put up on Instagram, um, pretty much on all the videos I'm writing the prototypes I'm testing different uh, sizes of stabilizers, testing different okay. masks, and already testing the. The new phone links so oh yeah everything i'm writing later is is uh lately is the produce that we're about to launch it's cool. hidden behind the scenes and it'll be fun to see them come out yeah yeah i see i need to work on that i, I i'm not allowed to do pictures oh, yeah. and promote the, the, no, the, no. the design yet that Even makes the, sense. Graphics, the graphics are amazing as well you guys will like yeah it.
0: No yeah when they are ready to get released to the public,
2: that would be awesome to see
1: yeah, I will for sure do a little spoiler Cool.
2: cool, all right guys. awesome, well, thanks oh, for man. coming on Fernando super fun
1: yeah guys then... i I do appreciate uh the the invite the invitation for me to be here, uh chatting with you guys. It's a big pleasure for me to be able to speak about what I do, my passions and. Even though my English is not so fluent, I haven't been practicing much, but uh, it was nice, for sure. Hey, it's better than my Portuguese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother, we will chat again. Thanks for joining us, everybody.
1: Right now, guys, yeah, I'm always available. Night, guys. If you guys, guys want to know anything, just hit me up. I'm always available. You guys have a good one. Well, absolutely. All right,
0: ciao. Thanks for joining Tom and I on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.